Good morning. Blessed be the name of the Lord. All right, I want to share with you some thoughts about, ready for this, knowing the one that you worship. Think that's important? We should know the one that we worship? How can you really worship him if you don't know him? All right, sweet. All right, I'm going to do something a little bit different because I do that kind of stuff. Everybody over here, the lovely staff, Stacy, you too, these first couple rows, you're one section. One, two, three, right here. This, this is the second section. I'm going to have some work for you in a second. Everybody on this side wing is the third section, okay? All right, <clears throat> over here, section number one. Give me an R. Give me an R. R. Come on, say it like you mean it. R. All right, just like the pirates there, okay? Right here. Give me a C. Right here. Give me a C. Come on. C. I can hear that. Come on. C. All right. Give me an A over here. Everybody in the wing. A. Give me an A. A? A? No. (laughs) Little Canadian there. Okay. R. That was it, right? Okay. Now say this. Revelation. Revelation. All right. Your letter was what? See, okay, say clues. Ooh, nice, well done. A, yeah? Attributes. All right, sweet. We got a working congregation here. It's perfect. There will be a test, so don't forget, okay? There will be a test. <laughs> oh, there's enough of those coming up. When people walk through a forest without points of reference to guide them, The proven tendency is for them to do what? They tend to walk in circles. All right? That's just something that we've always known. Now, we used to think, we, meaning the researchers of the world, used to think, not that I'm one of them, we used to think that it was like one leg was a little bit longer or one one leg was a little stronger, and so that would tend to then, you know, have you walking in a certain circle. But then we realized that some of the newer studies, I actually study this stuff, it's kind of fun, is that it's not really an issue of leg length or, or leg strength, because sometimes the same person in these test groups would veer to the left and make a circle, and sometimes the same person would then veer to the right the next time and make a circle. So, walking in circles is not really caused by the difference in leg strength or in leg length, but wait for it now. It's caused, this is the new findings, it's caused by the result of an increasing uncertainty about where straight ahead is. Without a point of reference, it's really difficult to walk exactly straight ahead. Even though people that were being tested were convinced I mean, emotionally convinced that they were walking in a straight line. That perception was not necessarily reliable. People need, and here's the point, people need trustworthy points of reference, like a tower, a mountain in the distance, the position of the sun, position of the stars. They need something in order to walk in a straight line and not drift away from the true center. Okay. Now, application of that interesting truth. God has given us, in his son Jesus Christ, the most reliable point of reference to guide us in our walk with him so we can walk straight into his heart, straight into his purposes, straight into his arms. In fact, Jesus sums up the entire Christian life in two words. He says, follow me. Because when you follow him, you're going to be walking true north, 
true straight ahead. Without any wandering in circles, you're just going to follow in the direction he calls you to do. Hebrews 12 says, run the race that's set before you, fixing, locking, like lock and load, lock your laser, lock your eyes on him and walk forward. When you're running the race, you want to know where you're going. You want to be able to lock your eyes, fix your gaze on him. Now, when you keep looking at Jesus as our point of reference, you will walk in a straight line right into the Father's heart, right into the Father's will. And in that place, and this is where it begins to get good, in case you were waiting for that. (laughs) In that place, guided by that laser beam, the walking in the purposes of God straight ahead, is where God then can and God then does begin to reveal himself to it. Because I found this out. The revelation of God always and only forever comes to us through the Son. The revelation of God comes to us forever and always through the Son. If you've seen me, Jesus said, you've seen the Father. The revelation of the Father comes through the Son. Now, section number one. What was your word again? Shout it out. Revelation. Revelation. Number one, we come to know him by Revelation. What does that mean? Well, first of all, this is the first and most important way that we can come to know the one that we worship. And don't forget, that's the sermon title. That's where we're going to. That's why it fits in a worship emphasis week, because we want to know the one that we worship. And it's by revelation, thanks, I was forgetting there, that God reveals himself to us, and that's crucial to know. And this act of worship, this, uh, this act of worship, this act of God in making himself known to us is not just an optional part of our worship. I want you to see that because if he does not reveal himself to us, we do not have worship. We might have a nice list of songs and a great band, but the fact is it's when he walks in the church, when he's, well, he's already there when you came in, but when he shows up and manifests himself and reveals himself to us, there is worship at that point. I want to show you the impact, the impact that a revelation of God can have on worship. Don't have to turn there, but Exodus 33 and Exodus 34. Exodus 33, it's all about Moses and Moses saying, God, I want to know you. God, would you show me your glory? God, would you let me see who you are? Next morning, Exodus 34, Moses gets up. God takes him, sets him in the rock, and reveals to him, reveals to Moses the character of God the nature of God. And he says things like this. This is God talking now. He says, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in mercy. And you guys know some songs about that, don't you? Yeah, I know Vivian does because I taught him. The nature of God. But if if you follow it down to verse 8, when God had revealed himself to Moses, Moses in turn, it says in verse 8, he made haste to bow low toward the earth and worship. I want you to see the connection between revelation and worship. Worship is always our response when God reveals himself, when he makes himself known to us. Do you realize the fact that if God, through the ages, had decided never to reveal himself to anybody, we'd be walking around with our finger in our ear, not even aware of the fact that there was such a thing as a God 
course, he made us in his image, and he kind of has his fingerprints on us from Eden. So there still are some little clues. And we'd be like, I don't know what he's like. Unless God reveals himself to us, we cannot worship, and we will not know him. Fortunately, here's the first, well, not the first, maybe the fourth or fifth piece of good news for the day. Fortunately for you and for me, the posture of God in all of this issue is not to hide himself. It's to reveal himself. He longs to reveal himself. He loves to reveal himself. When I was young, maybe about, I actually was shorter once in case you wonder, but I, I wasn't born this size, and my, and my mom's grateful. But when I was about this big, and I was playing with my, younger, with my older brother and his friends. We were playing hide-and-seek. You play hide-and-seek? All right, well, capture the flag. I mean, hide-and-seek, hide-and-seek, old school. So I was allowed to play with my older brother and all of his friends, which was really cool. The difference is this, the problem was this, that they knew all the great hiding places. So, of course, guess who is it? Right here, I was it. You know, I always, I just couldn't seem to get beyond it. So I'm it. I cannot find these guys. They all took off. I covered my eyes. They did the thing. They all ran and hid somewhere. And they had the best hiding places. It's just something. I just want to stamp my foot and say it's just not fair. But they had the best. I couldn't find them. Because you can't get too far, too far away from home. You know how it works, the whole game? Okay. So I'm like, look, I am running back. And I can't find them. I'm almost in tears at this point. Because, like, I'm going to be it again. And I'm getting tired of this. But I have a good big brother. His name is Tom. And Tom was walking, looking from his cool bush or barn hiding place, wherever he was. But he looks over there, and he sees that I'm about ready to cry again. I'm going to be it again. So he, he does this cool big brother thing. He, like, he sticks his arm out. So his arm is like, ooh There it was. So I'm like, you know, wiping the little tears and looking... I know the shirt that he was wearing, so it's like, I see your arm. It's Tom. It's Tom's shirt. Tom, you're, and I would like, <laughs> and he was so cool because he would like come out of his hiding place and say, oh, you found me. He knew exactly what he was doing. He was revealing himself so I could find him. Now, in one very important way, God is a lot like my big brother. I should say my big brother is a lot like God. Actually, he's becoming more and more like God. But God does that. He loves to reveal himself. He longs to bring himself and put himself in a place that we can like, wait, I'm seeing something, and we're realizing that God has intentionally, because if God had wanted to, he could have stayed hidden. You would never have known that he ever existed. But he's opened up a heart, his heart for us, and he leaves his arms sticking out. Romans 1.20 says, ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and they've seen the sky. Through everything that God made, they can clearly see his arms sticking out. Well, that's a loose translation, but they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature. I say it again, God longs to reveal himself to us. Why? Because he wants us to find him. Why? Because he wants us to know the one that we worship. That's why. Thank you, Revelation crew. Give me your word over here. Come on, right here. What is it? Oh, that was wimpy. Come on, I gave you the C. I gave you the rehearsal. Give it to me. What is the word? Blue. 
All right, I'll accept that. Clues. Number two, we come to know him not just by revelation, but by the clues. God leaves us breadcrumbs. He leaves us clues for us to discover. Look at this. Look at that thing. Did you see the sunrise this morning? I was there early, and I saw, my goodness, it was incredible. The sunsets that he makes, he's like a, the artist with his living, his airbrush. This is like, he's incredible. Look at the stuff that he does. Look at the things that he's done. Look at the night sky. It's been pretty brilliant recently. We've had a little bit of um, less clouds, but the clouds in the summer, like a baby blanket. You ever seen the clouds, like a little soft blue and the white kind of puffy? Anyway, I kind of enjoy that stuff. Having five kids and now seven grandchildren, and there's my wife over there, Margie, and would you wave to everybody because she's the grandma. But just the stuff that he does, the stuff that he makes, it's incredible, the complexity of a single cell. Open a biology book sometimes. Just open a biology book and be prepared to worship. You see his fingerprints everywhere. The, the flying ability of a hummingbird. Every single way that you want to go, like a little helicopter. It's incredible. The migration path of a monarch butterfly. Man, you got to study all this stuff. is sitting out there. It's breadcrumbs. It's fingerprints of God waiting for you to find this stuff. It's his little things. It's his big thing. It's his mighty acts, his small kindnesses, his, all this stuff. The daily miracles, they have his fingerprints all over them. Everywhere you look, there's the signature of intelligent design. You just have to open your eyes and see it. Revelation, absolutely. But it comes by clues. These are the clues that he leaves. They're intended to point us toward him so we can know him, so we can know the one that we worship. It's been years, honey, but I left at one point. I've done it once at least, just for the record. I left a dark chocolate raspberry granola bar on the front seat of our car when I knew that my wife was going to be going out to get in the car to go somewhere. This is like loving, okay? So I went back in the house, and I shut the doors, and I said goodbye, kiss her goodbye, and she goes out the door, and I'm behind the closed doors, and I'm peeking through the curtain because I'm just, you know, I'm, a little, I'm kind of a sucker, but I'm just waiting for it to happen because I, I love surprises like this. So she opens the car door. She founds what I gave her, and I heard her delight through two closed doors. You know, she's like, I forgot what you said. It was, ooh, ah, ha, something like that. And so I pushed the, because I, 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 I kind of wanted to get involved in this now because I pushed the blind a little bit more so she could see me as I'm seeing her seeing me. So it's kind of a fun closure moment there. <laughs> And she thanked me with her eyes, and she thanked me with her smile, and she thanked me with the kisses that she was blowing at me. Then she got in the car and drove away. Make this point really clear right now. Notice this. What she did not do was, like, open the car door and say, ooh, my favorite, and, like, leap headfirst, like, dumpster diving, like, into the car, and just consume the gift. She allowed the gift to draw her attention and her affection back to the source of the gift, which was me. <laughs> Just saying. But it was because of her relationship with me that she knew me. And she knew it's the kind of thing that I would do. Maybe she saw the box in my closet of dark chocolate raspberry canola bars, <laughs> waiting for the moment to give her one. But anyway, she knew that I would do that. So I had my fingerprints on it. It was clues. 
All right, and she saw that. But so she thanked me for what I had done, but she loved me for being the kind of person that would do it. Does that make sense to you? She thanked me for what I had done. But she really, like, it wasn't just what I did, it's who I am. And it's kind of like that with us and God. In Psalm 150, it says we praise him for his mighty acts. That's what he's done. But then the next line says, and we praise him according to his excellent greatness. And that is who he is. And you see how one leads you to the other? You see the clues, you see the breadcrumbs, you see the sunrises, you see the fingerprints of God. And it allows you to say, who would do this? What kind of a God? And pretty soon your eyes are being lifted to heaven and you're thanking him for what he's done. But then you begin to love him for the God that he is. The first points us to the second. We thank God for what he has done. And we love him and we worship him for being the kind of God that he is, who he is. That he's the kind of God who would do this. He's the kind of father who's so thoughtful. He'll leave even more than a dark raspberry granola. Raspberry, chocolate, there it is, one of those words. In your, it's, it's just that he's always leaving stuff because he wants us to see his love, his care, his personality. When we look and see what God has done, we actually begin, when, when you focus on the things that he does for you, you actually start to look beyond the things that he does for you. And looking beyond the blessings calls you back to the blesser. And looking beyond just the stuff that he gives you in your life, it calls you to realize this is who he is. In other words, what God does captures our attention, but who he is captures our heart. What God does captures our attention, but who he is captures our heart. And by this way, we come to know and grow in our knowing of the one that we worship. All right, work to do over here. What was your letter? Start with that. What was your word? Oh, oh, yeah, I think we're going to have to grade you almost the best. Not for sure, but that was wonderful. We come to know God by his revelation that he gives to us. We come, well, go, go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it. Ready? Revelation. <laughs> All right. We got some gutsy guys back there. We come to know him by his clues. Now that was competitive right there. We come to know him by his attributes. <laughs> we come to know him by his attributes. To know the one that we worship, we also need to engage both our heart and our mind. We're going to know him by his attributes. Tozer, A.W. Tozer wrote a book called The Knowledge of the Holy. Anybody read it? Thin book. Takes you a lifetime to get over, but knowledge of the holy. First chapter of the book is called Why We Must Think Rightly About God. First sentence of the first chapter is this. First sentence, first chapter. Very first thing Tozer says. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. In other words, our mental perception of God, how we see him, what we think about him, is so very significant. So here's another way, another very significant way for us to know him, to know the one that we worship. We can grow in the grace, but grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Consider, and this is it, it's the attributes of God. We've only got time for one today because there's so many attributes of God. 
but it's to take the attributes, open a theology book, and prepare to worship. So keep your, bi- your biology by your theology and your... Just get an ology book and you're going to see God in it because somewhere in all of the ologies, it's something about even the geology. My goodness, it's incredible. It's God. It's just the works of God in the earth and in the heavens. But every single attribute of God is like a window. And you open that window, there's something unique and fresh and new that you can learn about God. He'll teach you about himself, about the one that you worship. It's in the attributes of God. We've got time for one we're going to look at. It's a big one. It's one of the O ones. Omnipotence. Let's say that together. Ready? Omnipotence. Whoa. When we declare in our worship that God is omnipotent, what are we saying? We're saying that there is no power stronger than God anywhere. None. Zip. Silch. None. King of the mountain. That's him. All right. Revelation 19.6. I heard the voice of a great multitude at the sound as the sound of many waters and the sound of mighty thunderings. Make the sound of thunder. Would you go? If I was looking for a drum roll, I would have asked for that. I want, I want, give me that. Ready? Go. All right. That's officially impressive right there. Thank you so much. Okay. The sound of mighty thundering saying this, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent or the Lord God almighty reigns. Who knows the first line in the Apostles' Creed? I know some of you do. Some of you should. All right. For over 1,500 years, this is like a summation of wonderful orthodox theology for the church. The first line is what? Eve, go ahead. There it is. She gets an A on that one. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven. He's the Father Almighty. We've been saying that for a long time, and I just want to say keep saying it. Number two, when we declare in our worship that God is omnipotent, we are celebrating the truth that he expends No energy that ever needs to be replaced. That's incredible. Isaiah 40, 28 says, The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. In other words, we do. Anybody in here tired? You don't have to confess unless you want to, but it's just a fact of life, okay? It's not going to get too much better for about two more weeks, and then you're going to love it, all right? But we do get tired. He never gets tired. This is about the omnipotence of God. Number three, when we declare in our worship, and we need to, and find songs that say this for us and help us to state these things, we declare in our worship that God is omnipotent. We are echoing what I believe is his desire to reveal himself to your generation and mine, that he is the only true superhero in the universe. The world is looking for heroes. And we've gone back to Marvel comic books to find one. And you've got, who you got? Captain America, you got Thor, Hulk, Iron Man, Spider-Man. You got, you got a bunch of them. There's a whole list of them. And I don't even, I don't even try to watch all the movies. Because I just won't be able to find time. But do you realize, listen to this fact. Do you realize that in the 21st, so we're talking 21 years. So in the 21st century alone, There have been, how is it stated in that quote? Millions of people have gone to thousands of theaters and spent well over $7 billion just to watch the Avengers. That's a lot of money. That's just a lot of money. 
Why do they do it? Is there something beneath that? Well, I, I've watched the first six. I've got to watch the rest or something. I think that they're looking for a stirring of hope in their heart at somewhere. If it's nowhere else, at least on the big screen, that somehow there can be a hero that can come in and that justice can prevail and rights can be put to right and the wrong will be abolished. I think there's something in our breast as people. We just we need to see that happen. Now listen, I enjoy watching Captain America as much as the next guy or girl. But I'm here to declare something to you today. That our omnipotent God is real. He's truly almighty. He's truly all-powerful. And he's not a comic book fantasy. Shut off your Netflix and listen to me. Hebrews chapter 7, 16 says, Jesus Christ, and not Superman, possesses the power of an indestructible life. You want a superhero to follow? Lift your eyes straight ahead. By revelation, he will show himself to you. By the clues that he will drop for you like breadcrumbs, he'll reveal himself to you. He's teaching you his attributes. He is the omnipotent, almighty God. Turn to Acts chapter 3 sometime. You don't have to be right now. I want you, uh, I want you to see what your Jesus did for one man. What this incredible God did for one man. One man, lame from birth, healed by Jesus through the ministry of Peter and John. Now, when that happened, here's, here's this crowd. I always love this, this phrase, the crowd, because they're everywhere. People are everywhere. So we got this crowd. Now, they know this guy, this lame man, all right, from birth. He's lame. And, they, and, and they're like watching this thing because they're seeing him being healed. And there's Peter and John over there. So they're like, oh, hey, I've always known that guy, always been sitting there, always been lame. Ooh, something just happened. Now he's up. Hmm. And they look over here and they say Peter and John. And they go running after Peter and John. Like, you know, we got something going on here. Verse 12 says, Peter says, Why do you stare at us as though by our power or godliness we had made him walk? Do you understand that Peter and John did not heal the lame man? Is that clear to you theologically? Can Peter and John heal the lame man? No, they did not. To assume that they did would be like assuming that the bread and the fish that the little boy gave to Jesus to feed the multitude were somehow like special bread. Ooh, special fish, fishies. Was there something in resident special within the fish and the bread? No. You imagine how foolish it would be. For the crowd to run over to Peter and John, you know, or, or even for that little boy, for, the, for that crowd to run over to the little boy that day in the gospel account and say to him, little boy, um, w- 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 please ask, ask your mom for the recipe for that bread. That bread fed like over 5,000 people. Oh, uh, uh, kid, come here, come here. Ask your dad, please. Ask him what lake he caught those fish in. I want to go fishing in that lake because that fish, uh, they just kept dividing and dividing and now 5,000 people were fed. Is that what probably didn't happen? No, exactly right. That's not anything of what happened. 
Because what they realized and what we need to realize is it's not the bread and the fish. It's not some special words. What words did you say, Peter and John, when you prayed for those? Can I say it with the same vocal inflection? It's not about special words. It's not about the bread and the fish. It's about the power of an omnipotent God who said it's time for that man to get up and walk. And he stretched out his almighty hand. And did what we sing about and should sing about. But it was the omnipotent power of God. And it's that God that comes to us by revelation. That comes to us and gives clues. That comes to us and reveals his attributes to us. Omnipotence is only one. There's a string as long as my arm. And I have a long arm. It's that God. And he wants to make himself known to his own. He longs to, more than my brother, he longs for you to find him. He wants to reveal himself to you. It's that God that we worship. It's that God that we adore, we surrender our will to, our dreams to, our very life to. Because we've grown to know the one that we worship. It's one thing that this week is about, is finding him and finding him forever declaring him to be, and I've only got one word to say it now, worthy. And the word worship is so tied in with that word worthy. Worthy is a a word that comes to us from heaven. Listen to how it says it. Revelation, the book of Revelation, it says, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Worthy, let's stand together. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power, and riches, and wisdom, and might, and honor, and glory, and blessing. Father, we, for ourselves, we haven't been to heaven perhaps yet. Someday, yes, for now, we're here. But our perspective needs to be adjusted, our mental perspective, our spiritual, our theological, our emotional perspective. We need to line up and we ask you, Lord, as you have done this week already, we're asking you for continued grace upon us as your people during this week about worship that we can truly grow and step into some of these things and find you as the God who does, by revelation, show us who you are, that you will drop clues and you'll put a string of breadcrumbs and stick your arm out, whatever it takes, that we can indeed know something more about you. Give us a hunger in our heart and eyes to see and ears to hear what your spirit is saying as we look around and see your fingerprints all over. Intelligent design is everywhere if we just have an eye to see it. And the attributes of God, the omniscience, the omnipotence, and all the other ones, the short and the long words. But they're all aspects like a diamond that we hold up and we turn that diamond and we see the facets. Another one. Another one. And we stand in worship. And we stand in awe. And today we're united to give you thanks and to exalt your name. Father, will you not let any word that needs to be in our hearts slip from our hearts, that our mind will hold it fast until what is going on in our mind and in our heart is the same thing. And we are, as Tozer said, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Father, we commit our hearts to you. We commit this week to you. We ask you to to keep us like a compass to the true north, to keep us 
focused upon you or we will wander in circles. But you brought us to the place that we believe is this hill, this Elam in Lima for such a time as this. And we believe you brought even this week to pass now that we could be in this atmosphere, the ambiance of your presence, that we could learn something more. Give us hearts that are teachable, minds that are open to you. Keep us on the path, Father. We want to worship you today. We want to give you thanks because you're an incredible, incredible God. We thank you for your love. We're just going to put our hands together now. Can we? In worship to God. Come on, give him thanks. 